I just want to remind you, if you maybe forgot recently, that you are precious to the Lord, that you are greatly loved by him. He was pressing that on my heart today so heavily. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that in the busyness of life, in the trials that can come upon us, the distractions of this world, we can forget that simple but overwhelming fact that we are loved by God. God, the King of the universe. Hallelujah. I want to start by reading a couple of the paragraphs we found in our lesson this week. I thought they were just perfect. So I think from page two, it says, what grace does. Grace brings you to the cross where you see Jesus, exposed and shamed, disfigured by every filthy thought and vile act ever committed, so repugnant that the father turns away from his son. That's my sin, you say. I'm the guilty one. Grace brings you to the empty grave where you see Jesus, resurrected and victorious. All is forgiven, he says. The Father's arms are opened wide. And then on the next page, I love the quote from Greg Laurie. Do you realize how much you are loved by God? Despite our sin, God never stops loving us. That's the gospel. You were worse off than you thought you were. Amen to that. But God has loved you more than you could ever have imagined. So we have a quick evening. We're going to get right into it. Usually I like to do a little intro time. We're not going to do that. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Romans. Thank you for these beautiful women. Thank you that you love us so much. Draw our hearts closer to you this evening. Work in us the things that you desire to work in us. Speak clearly, Lord, and may we be listening. In your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, so chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you participate in any kind of inductive Bible study or been on a bus stop with Debbie, you know that therefore is one of our keywords. It tells us to look backwards in our passage so that we can have context for what's coming forward. So, therefore what? Therefore, because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Chapter 4 is a beautiful example of the doctrine or the teaching of justification, which we heard last week. Chapters 1 through 3 have clearly shown us that there is not a single people group that can have right standing before God. The pagan idol worshiper is disqualified. The atheist, disqualified. The morally good person, disqualified. The pious religious person, disqualified. Why? Because those things, those beliefs, those works, are not what cleanses our sin. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. And we only have access to that atonement through faith in him. I want you gals, since your Bibles are open, to look over to the previous chapter, 4, in verse 3. It says, Abraham believed God. Jess believed God, and it was counted to her for righteousness. Alma believed God, and it was counted to her for righteousness. On your resource page, 
right at the very top. I love Murr's fill-ins. I only have one. This is it. Write your name. Mary believed God, and it was counted to her for righteousness. How might one be saved? How does one believe God and gain righteousness? Romans 10, 9 and 10, part of that famous Romans road. We got the really sweet bookmarks earlier in the study. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We learn justification does not come through works, through the law, or through circumcision, but only by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this brings us to our current lesson. We had the goals. I love the goals that our study sets out for us. So the first one was discover the benefits of being justified by faith. The first benefit we see is peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no peace in a work-based religion. If we had to earn God's favor, we would always be striving and wondering if we had done enough. There's no security, rest, or peace in that. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From our passage, um, Romans 5, 8 States, it was our memory verse, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The next benefit that we see, oh, sorry, I skipped ahead. We who were once enemies of God, who were sinners awaiting wrath, are now at peace with God. No longer enemies and no longer deserving wrath because the righteousness of Christ covers us. I wanted to, a verse that, um, The Lord used in my heart right after I was saved and just blessed me. Isaiah, I want you to write it down. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So benefit number two that I saw In verse 2, let's see, where did it go? Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through faith in Christ, we now stand in God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. If you refer to your resource page I provided a few of the definitions for grace there. In the Greek, it's, it was pronounced really funny, but I'm going to just say it charis because that seems easiest. Uh, in other passages of scripture, the same word is also translated as favor or pleasure. Grace, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness. I like that. Goodwill, loving kindness, of the merciful kindness by which God 
exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps them, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. God's grace in redemption, God's grace in justification, and God's grace in sanctification. If you want to dig deeper into grace, Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith is a book that I would highly recommend. It's not very long, but it digs deep into your heart and gives you a really excellent picture. You can find it on thriftbooks.com like three or four dollars, just saying. So God's grace takes on even deeper meaning when we dig in to see what it really means. Romans chapter six, verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in to find grace to help in the time of need. And John 1:14 The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Another benefit Also in verse 2, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? Our study indicated, and I agree, that this points to our hope in the return of Christ, to rule and reign on the earth. There's a hymn that I've always loved, and I want to share with you one of the verses. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration, and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. That is the hope that we are looking to, to see Christ face to face. Mark 13, verse 26 Then we will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are we eagerly waiting for him? Yes. Okay, let's look at verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified. And a result of that is that we are given the Holy Spirit to reside in our hearts. The Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God, the Spirit of the living God. Take that in a second. The Spirit of the living God is actually really, truly, not make-believe, but a fact in your heart if you are a believer in Christ Jesus right now. Knock on the door. He's in there. We hear this rather frequently, but sometimes I think we need to slow down a little bit more and soak that in. So I want to look at a few facts about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. Uh, let's see. He has been given to help us, to teach us, to remind us of the word, and to pray on our behalf. That last one is my favorite. John fourteen twenty six. Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I didn't provide you all the scripture references, so I recommend writing them down. That was John 14, 26. Romans 8, 26. This is my favorite. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. I'm weak tonight. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then the presence of the Holy Spirit residing in our hearts also signifies that we belong to God. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. You are the purchased possession to the praise to his glory. So having the Holy Spirit in our hearts is our seal. Like in the days of old when a king would take his signet ring, it had a symbol that represented him and his kingdom. He would press it into hot wax and put it onto maybe a letter or a decree of some kind, signifying his ownership, that he said that thing. We have the Holy Spirit seal on us. King Jesus put his seal of ownership on our hearts, and we belong to him. Some of you, I've felt this way a time or two, may have felt like you belong nowhere and to no one. That is a lie from the pit of hell if you have been born again. You belong to the king. You are valued, you are loved, and you are cherished. You are bought with the precious blood of our Savior, and you are never alone. The last benefit of justification that I see, maybe you ladies saw more, um, is an excellent transition and leads into the second goal. I really love that. Um, so back to your Bible, Romans 5, we'll read verses 3, 4, and 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and pervert perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So that second goal states, consider how God uses trials to shape our character. If I'm going to be really, really honest, I'd rather skip the trials and the shaping and just be given the character right out the door. I don't know if you feel the same. Okay, so I'm kind of a word nerd, and I've been loving the um, hashtag words to know portion in our study. Uh, so tribulation. I, also, I think I also provided it, yes, I did, on your resource page. Tribulation in the Greek is thelipsis. The word means pressure, anguish, distress of all kinds, It is sometimes translated in other parts of scripture as affliction, burden, or trouble. Thalipsis was also the word used when describing the crushing of olives to make olive oil or grapes to make wine. It's kind of a musical evening tonight. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. All right, so participation time. Raise your hand 
And anybody watching online, you can raise your hand too. Um, raise your hand if any of the words we just read through ring true to any circumstance, trial, or situation you've had. Have you felt crushed ever? Have you felt burdened ever? Have you felt the searing pain of loss? The anguish that is associated with deep suffering. Everyone in this room has their hand up. And I'm going to guess online gals, you have your hands up too. The tribulation Paul is describing is not specific, but broad. It can include any kind of suffering that any of us may go through at any time. Jesus gave us a heads up that we would not find life here, a bed of roses or a perpetual picnic. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Something that I've noticed lately over the last few years and is heavy on my heart and I don't want to be something that's described of our women here. These words fly in the face of the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, word of faith, power of positive thinking, prosperity gospel that has watered down so much of Christian culture and has made so many of us weak and confused when the fiery trial comes upon us. God's word says that he allows the sun to shine on the evil and the good, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Just like we need to be firm in our theology so that we can stand confidently in what we know about God, we need to be just as firm in our theology in order to apply what we know about God to our times of trial and suffering. We will either stand on the promises of God found in scripture, or we will sink under the weight of pressure that this life brings. Trials and tribulations are not solely because we have stinking thinking. Sometimes they can be attributed to that. They are not solely because we have sinned, although we do experience that. And tribulation is certainly never, ever, because we are not loved by God. It is never because we have not positively thought our way into whatever it is we're hoping to accomplish. Tribulations are a common experience to every human being because sin taints our existence. When sin entered... It brought a curse upon everything. Trials can be caused by our own sin or the sin of somebody else. They can be brought on by illness or the death of a loved one. They may be brought on by depression, anxiety, or other emotional and mental issues, which are a result of the curse upon this world brought by sin. Trials stem from consequences of natural disasters or the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, divorce, a breakup, or an international lockdown due to a pandemic. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. On my social media pages, I had asked some friends, oh, I'm getting too much stuff, here we go, to respond to some words for me, trial, tribulation, storms, hardships, and then also to respond to the words peace and hope. Here are their responses. I was really moved by them. So one, judge, jury, tsunami. Tidal wave, 
Poverty, war, crime. Sunshine, calm, joy. Addiction, fear, labor, lonely. Rest, relax, optimistic, opportunity. Another one. This world and this life versus Jesus, God, eternity in heaven. I think of God's grace, love, and even though it hurts, his perfect plan unfolding. That was good. Gratitude changes everything. I can have peace and hope and even joy, great joy, through those things because I have Christ. And then the last one. Fear of the unknown, weakness, heartache, peace and hope, Jesus. We receive peace and hope through seeking Jesus. He gave us peace and hope when he died on the cross. There's a lot of amazing Bible scholars out there. These responses give us a glimpse into how we might glory in tribulation. In this passage of Romans, Paul is revealing that God redeems our heartache by using it as a means of sanctification in us. Last week, Murr helped us to define and differentiate between justification and sanctification. Justification happens at the moment of salvation, it's a free gift. Sanctification is a lifelong process that does not end until we see Jesus face to face. face. Tribulation produces perseverance. Hiponome. I think I said hiponome. I had to listen to it on Blue Letter Bible. Hiponome. A quality that does not succumb, quit, or lose hope in the midst of trouble. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance. Merriam-Webster defines perseverance as continued effort to do or to achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Patience. I am grateful that the Lord is honest with us, that he says it like it is and doesn't paint some rosy, unachievable picture of Christianity for us. Because for, I've been saved almost eight years, and for almost eight years, I have walked a fiery trial. It's relational in nature, which is so hurtful at times. And it's been one of the most difficult and heartbreaking situations of my life. But this is not a woe is me, poor Jess moment. On the contrary, I see that the Lord needed to teach me how to patiently endure rather than run away. Before I got saved, I was very prone to running away from any kind of hardship. I think that's why I was an alcoholic. I escaped into a bottle rather than faced reality. I have found that learning how to persevere through adversity is not a tidy experience that you can wrap up with a bow and post on Pinterest. Sanctification is a process and it's sometimes very messy. I have filled countless journals with petitions to the Lord during the times of pressing. I have sought wise counsel, prayed, worshipped, and read the word. I have belly laughed as well as shed copious amounts of tears through trials. I have memorized scripture through them, served in ministry, joined in fellowship with godly sisters in the midst of raging storms. Over and over again, I have found myself face down before the Lord in absolute desperation for him and him alone. I have needed him. I continue to need him. And you know what? He's always been there for me. He has not once 
left me alone or forsaken me. So I put another post out on social media a couple days after that. And on this one, I asked people to share their toolbox. I compiled for you um, Bible verses that these precious people gave to me. They're on the back side of your resource page. Let's see, do I have it? Yes. Some of them I typed out for you, and the rest of them I left for you to do the work of looking them up. Um, Along those lines, another tool, because I want you gals to be equipped. I want you to be ready for the day of adversity. Index cards. These are a Holy Spirit tool. These can save your butt. I have these taped up on my wall in my bedroom. I have them in my purse. I think there's a few in the bathroom. I have decorated one side of my binder here with Bible verses. You take them with you. You read them over and over and over again. And then sometimes the Lord provides an opportunity to give it away to somebody else who needs the comfort God has given you. So I encourage you gals, go through these. Look up the ones on bottom. Write them out. Transfer some to to the index cards and carry your toolbox with you. It's not always practical to carry your Bible with you, but one of these can fit right in your back pocket. So be encouraged by God's word. It is where we learn that we can expect good things from the Lord. He promised to restore the years the locust has eaten. That's Joel 2, 24 to 26. Write that down. God gives hope for redemption from our trials by promising that he comforts us so that we can comfort others with his comfort. 2 Corinthians 1.4 Romans 15.5 describes the Lord as the God of patience and comfort. All throughout the Old Testament, we see God described as slow to anger. He is patient and he is perseverant. That's an attribute of God and it should be an attribute of his followers. Jesus, our sweet savior, is incredibly patient with us. We see his patience as he mentored the disciples or as he taught the soul-hungry crowds following him around the Holy Land. But nowhere is his patient perseverance displayed more clearly than at the cross. Write down Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Mark chapter 14, verses 16, 61. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Verse 65. Then some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, prophesy. I didn't expect to get that emotional. And the guards took him and beat him. Doesn't that make you love him so much more? Can you imagine Facing a fiery trial, someone spitting in your face, and be silent like our Lord Jesus. That is the work that God is doing in our hearts through these trials to produce perseverance like our Lord, which produces character 
like our Lord, which gives us hope because one day we will see him face to face and we will know him as he is because we will be like him. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his righteousness. When we begin to see Christ-like character in our hearts, that is an occasion for glory, for joy, for praising God. He will have his way in our hearts. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. In order to reap the benefits of sanctification that come from a trial, we must yield ourselves into it and into the Lord. Like the olive branch yields into the gardener's hands as the gardener removes the dead leaves and worthless parts from the branch. So too, does God desire to cut out the dead parts of us so that we can be more beautiful for him and more useful in his garden. Yield into Christ as you enter into his school of suffering. I have a favorite devotional. Some of you know this. It's Streams in the Desert. I provided it also on your resource page under resource books. It's excellent. My friend Debbie gave it to me at a time where I was going through intense suffering. So, um, let's see, October 24th. I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument. Isaiah chapter 41 Verse 15, a bar of steel worth $5 when wrought into horseshoes is worth $10. If made into needles, it is worth $350. If into penknife blades, it is worth $32,000. If into springs for watches, it is worth $250,000. What a drilling the poor bar must undergo to be worth this. But the more it is manipulated, the more it is hammered and passed through the fire and beaten and pounded and polished, the greater the value. May this parable Help us to be silent, still, and long-suffering. Those who suffer most are capable of yielding most. And it is through pain that God is getting the most out of us for his glory and the blessing of others. The more we are manipulated and hammered and passed through the fire and beaten and pounded and polished, the more like Jesus we become. So I want us to back up for more of a bird's eye view. We have been zeroed in really close to the details. And I feel like now we need the perspective of 30,000 feet up. Back to our text, we'll start at verse 5 and go forward. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Verse 6, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. 
Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Then we're going to fast forward over to verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We got another song. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all and all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone came and changed the leper's spots and it melts the heart of stone. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. So what's the point? Let's read verse 8 again. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to move over to chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. One more verse. We're going to fast forward to chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, sisterin, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We are a living sacrifice being transformed into into the image of Christ Jesus our Lord. Holy, acceptable to God. The overwhelming love of God offers us eternal life and right standing before the Lord of heaven's armies. There is an exchange for the deadness of our sin and we get the life of Christ. Christ died while we were enemies with God. Like Paul, we were seething with murder in our hearts on the broad, broad road, marching straight into damnation. Christ's sacrifice brings justification. He instantly reverses the curse of Adam that brought sin and death to many. Through Christ Jesus, the free gift abounded to many. From the moment of justification forward, the Christian is now learning what it means to be a Christ follower. And the Lord uses all kinds of situations and definitely our trials to shape and mold us into the image of his dear son. Let's pray. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, God, that our trials are not pointless. That you redeem them and give them purpose. Help us to yield to you in all ways, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you. Wow. I hope you had enough blank spots on your page to take a thousand notes. One of the reasons that um, that I felt, well, we felt Jess was the perfect candidate. Sad but true, she's so qualified um, to know the dark side of tribulation. And so um, as we uh, begin our discussion time, I'd like you to look... I think a few more people came in in the last few minutes. Praise the Lord. Um, so for those of you that have missed maybe a couple weeks, we have been, um, with your permission, we've been breaking into groups, uh, using some social distances, being wise, and um, because just sitting and listening for a long time is hard on us because women love to talk. So if you would do that, if you um, really want some extra distance, please um, come up here and we'll have an extra distance group. Um, but break into groups at least four or five. Um, that makes for a good round discussion. So no sevens or eights, though. Leave it at, at four to six being the max. Yeah. If you want to put your, your masks on in between your sharing, um, yeah, make holy huddles. Okay, um, and turn where you see yourself in circles. If you're in a line, the sharing isn't as good. So you three pop over to somebody where there's at least five of you. Four or five. <clears throat> Definitely thinking about um, the pioneers this week. Um, Hope all of you received your little letter to us, begging you to come back. We love it when you're here. We miss you when you're not. Um, we need, I think, one of the most um, severe things in this COVID thing, and there's lots of it, is the, the, that we are more divided. We don't have community uh, as much as we need. We women really need to be together. And I was thinking about the pioneers at nighttime. What did they do? They circled the wagon, and they built a fire. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to circle the wagons. We're going to build a fire. And I want you guys to share from your heart um, in these groups. So first thing, write down, now that you're settled, take your pen and paper, write one thing that was the flashing light in the message. One thing that just really struck a chord with your heart. Okay, if somebody has something that, that's a real big flash out, raise your hand. I'm going to come to you. Share something that really stood out. Not everyone at once, though. Okay, there you go. Give me one thing that stood out. Grace. Grace. Hallelujah. Who wants to say hallelujah? Somebody else. Somebody else. Hand up. Okay, there you go. Oh, me? Trials are, are used for good. Try, say that together. <laughs> Trials are used for good. Say it again. Trials are used for good. That's good. Keep going with that. Okay, ma'am. The chrism, sin, and snow thing. Say it again. The chrism, sin, wait, chrism, chrism is red, sin, wait. The crimson? Sin is red chrism, and they're white as snow with Jesus. Oh, that Jesus makes us white as snow. Though our sins be as scarlet, crimson, they shall be 
Light as snow. Hallelujah. Little group effort there. <laughs> One more. One more for the message. Okay, Miss Leslie. Well, I love the encouragement that if we stand on the promises of God, we will not sink under the pressure. Woohoo. If we stand, stand on the promises of God, we will not sink under the pressure. Hallelujah. That was a good word. That was a really good word. So I really feel like tonight that that maybe the flashing light um, in this chapter was truly um, this profound statement uh, that, um, let's turn to Romans 5. And um, the wonderful thing that we have access by faith into his grace, there we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And verse 3, not only that, but we also, what? We also, what? We also, what? In tribulation. You're right. (laughs) Sometimes I say, good glory. Another trial, good glory. You know, so really, really, can we say that? Do we glory in tribulation? And I believe that God wants to press us into that. What is the glory in in tribulation? What is the good of it? You know, we, we have this tidy little formula, but I want to ask you, is it true? Is it true that we can glory in te- tribulation? James comes out of the shoot by saying, my brethren, count it all joy. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Another trial coming my way. Yeah, just make my day. Right? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, that the testing of your faith works patience, and patience works experience. Yeah, so we're going to press into that. Glory in tribulations. So I'd like you to write down one tribulation that has been big in your life. A big one. Don't, don't piddle around. All of you raised your hand. One tribulation that was huge. Just write it down. You don't, Some of you are saying, I'm not writing it down. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. Then side by that, and I know some of you, Rachel, I stood in the hall crying our eyes out as your little babe was in the hospital. That's a big one, isn't it? Some of you guys have had some really big things. Now, next to that, next to yours, think of some someone you know who's, it can be, it can be a famous Christian, someone in the Bible, Someone that you know a biography, Corey Tim Boom. Uh, someone in this room, someone in this church, uh, write a tribulation that you know someone has gone through. And, and in that name, I want to qualify it. Someone that you admire. Someone who has given you courage. I think this is a big exercise for us tonight. Okay, somebody, somebody give me your heroes. Who's got a hero? Just raise your hand and stand out real loud. Who's a hero that you wrote down? Somebody and their trial. Does somebody have somebody? Yes. Elizabeth, stand up, Elizabeth. <clears throat> Some not not a lot of people know Elizabeth's story, yeah. But I was at your wedding. You remember? Yeah, 
I went over to the 7-Eleven. I, I bought us cupcakes for wedding cake. God is good. And look at her now. God's done great things in your life. Somebody else. Somebody else have a hero. No? Yes, ma'am. Stand up and shout out. Who's your hero? Your sister, Jess. Yes, she's a hero. She's a rock because she stands on the promises of God. She stands on the rock. Somebody else. Come on. Georgie. She's a boy. Is that Georgie? You don't have a lot easy life sometimes. But you know what, Georgie? When anybody's in trouble, this girl is by their side. That's right. That's proven character, isn't it? Who wants to say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah to that. Somebody else, who's got a hero? Yes, ma'am, stand up real loud. Amy. Wait. Amy, is this okay? Okay, we're going to hear this story. Why is she your hero, Miss Him? I want to get to know you better. Why is she? Tell us your story. I've known her since I was 15, and she's my greatest inspiration. She's had to go through the loss of children. She's had one little boy named Peter who just turned 15 has had 30-plus surgeries in his life. And just recently, in the last three years, her husband suffered severe traumatic brain injury that should have taken his life. And now she no longer has a husband. She has somebody she has to take care of for the rest of her life. And I have seen her in each stage of her life. I'm so proud to be her best friend. And when I walk through trials, all I do is think of my best friend and what I've seen her come through and how she's encouraged me and how she's encouraged so many others. She's the bravest person I know. And for that, she's my hero. Would you mind standing up, Amy? I'm sorry. I, <laughs> you, this is... I love this. I, I love to know this about you, Amy. Sad. I'm sorry to know this about you. I'm. I'm. It's great to have heroes in our midst, right? Yeah. Lord, we just pray for Amy right now. Is that okay? Yeah. Lord, we just thank you, God, that she's she's gotten hit by the storm over and over. And God, as she drives home tonight, Lord, that she would just sense rock under her feet, lifting her above the waves, God. And God, not only would she survive, God, that she would thrive in a mighty way. God, that you would use her in ways that she could never even imagine. And I thank you how you already have used her life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So go to your groups and uh, share. Three or four of you just share your three-minute story of a moment when God met you in your deepest need. Okay? Oh, I know you won't obey me anyway, so I'm just going to say three minutes and let you be who you are. Okay. Share your stories. Encourage each other with your stories. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you just briefly, just briefly, to add the factor that... If we're really going to glory in our tribulations, we want to we want to get something out of it, right? We want to get something out of it. And this this verse three says, knowing 
that tribulation produces perseverance. So we've got to have a prize at the end of that. You know, like the marathon runner, you know, they start small and you got to work up, but it starts building your lungs and pretty soon you can go further the next day. And the further the next day, you start small, you run one mile, at least me, F that. Um, But I ran a a 5K a couple years ago, and there was something pretty powerful about crossing that finish line. Um, It produces perseverance, and perseverance produces what? Character. Character. I know some of you are already characters, but um, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, let me just add this. This is something we, I, I feel like God wants to, us to press on and press in. Because this is big stuff. Welcome to the world. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste it. Don't waste your suffering. God has purpose in it. Uh, when Jacob, remember, Jacob lost his favorite son, he thought he was dead for years and years. And what did he say? He said, everything is against me. Everything is against me. Little did he know that God was doing this crazy, amazing, off-the-charts thing. And so let me read those words again. I'm going to throw it back to you. We glory in tribulations. Why? Knowing, and God wants us to leave this room knowing, looking back on our trouble, that tribulation changed us made us able, stronger, more fortified in our faith. And that produced a character. And I see that in so many of you. You're trustworthy. You have a character you can be depended on because you face the tough things and you didn't die. You know? So, there you go. Off you go. And when you have that character, you have what? Hope. Hope. When the next train comes your way. Yeah. You know that God's, you know, he's, he's going to get you through, right? Okay. Back you go into your groups. Add those factors. Okay. We're going to turn an important corner <clears throat> right now. In this whole topic of trials and what it does in a Christian's life, uh, we've got to realize that we've got a world in trouble out there. Everybody, everybody that you meet from the the checker at the grocery store to um, the mechanic fixing your car, they're fighting some kind of internal battle. Uh, they've got some hardship that they've been going through. And it's, I think it's incredibly important for us to remember that, that you don't know if the cranky lady um, at the bank just got her divorce papers. You don't know that. You don't know if she just got a diagnosis about her, her mom or her husband. You don't know that. And the last page of our, our lesson, if you would turn it, there's some scriptures um, about how we're to live this out. And, and Jess alluded to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Listen very carefully. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulations so that we will be able to comfort others 
who are in any trouble with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And the wording about this is so clear. You might have had a terrible battle with some physical, with cancer or something in your life. But comfort translates. You can be a comfort to somebody with a prodigal son. Comfort, if you let God just soak you in and fill you up with his comfort, you can pour it out. So there's three verses that we need to look at that last page on page five. First John 4, 7 and 8. Ephesians 4, 132, 432, and Colossians 4, 5 and 6. So um, one person in each circle, um, somebody in each circle take First John. Okay? Raise your hand. One person in each circle. Okay? Raise your hand. One person in each, okay, look it up. One person in each circle, Ephesians 4, 32. And one person in each circle, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. So read it and share with each other how this applies. How can we be, um, I will start out by just reading part of the first one just to launch you because it's so powerful. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's a big, this big, this is a big say here. God's saying, are you loved by God? Well, give it out. Give it out. To this really hurting world right now. Okay, go in your groups, read these scriptures, pause in between each one, and share what you think it applies to your world right now. How can we apply these in real world time? So I'm going to close this in prayer and by um, just having a moment, and each of you keep your um, just in that prayer mode. Put out your hand in front of you and place that hard thing, that disappointing thing, that the thing that breaks your heart, the thing that's painful, the thing that just seems to overwhelm you. Lord, we hold this up. And God, we, we know your grace is sufficient. And God, in our, in our weakness, your strength is perfected. We just cry out to you, God, give us, give us an extra measure. Because sometimes we feel like we can't bear it. But God, as we read this, we don't want to waste it either. God, use it to stretch our faith. To take us deeper. To give us confidence in nothing but you. Nothing but you. God, we pray that you would give us a steadfastness in us. And God, that we would see light at the end of the tunnel. And you would, you would show us how to walk through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.